Hi, you're listening to the Sermon Recording Podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to Awaken Church and our virtual weekend gatherings. We hope that you are continuing to stay safe, find ways to stay motivated, hopefully not getting too stir-crazy. We are going to, starting this week, launch a new series called Illuminate. And in this series, we're going to really dive in and unpack over the next seven weeks the letter known as 1 John. John, who is also the author of the Gospel of John, is the author of this letter as well. And really, in many ways, this letter reads more like a sermon or a message uh, to people in general, and less of a letter that we traditionally see in the New Testament that was passed around from home church to home church, or was meant for a specific person or group of people that then we obviously find application for today. The message in First John really is one that is uh, built upon so many of the powerful teachings of Jesus that John writes about in the gospel. Really, when we see John chapter 13 through 17, those are the places where really there are parallels where John kind of pulls back from those moments with Jesus to really hone in on and focus in on in this letter as he teaches these second and third generation believers through this letter. So let's just for a moment though, let's take a moment and kind of go back in time, realize kind of who John is as we kind of think about this letter. I think the framework of who he is and the heart of him as the author is an important part to this letter. The first thing I have to remember is for John, he was someone who was an all or nothing kind of guy, incredibly passionate, all or nothing. Uh, in fact, when we see in Matthew, he actually is someone who just immediately drops his nets and follows Jesus, uh, gets out of the boat with his brother and kind of follows Jesus right away. And although that seems to be something that we often take for granted when we read some of the gospel accounts of Jesus and the disciples, it's very telling of really who John is as a person. The second thing, which is pretty unique about John, is he and his brother James both followed Jesus as disciples. And Jesus actually dubs them and nicknames them the Sons of Thunder, right? Which is just a crazy name to be given, nonetheless, by Jesus. So you have these two brothers really known for their passion and zeal. And kind of wherever they go, they are like a bull in a china shop, loud and in charge, ready to go. Um, I think sometimes... Uh, I wish I had a cool nickname or me and my brothers had cool nicknames like Sons of Thunder uh, growing up, but I'm pretty sure we were often loud and uh, were often called bulls in a china shop uh, as we were growing up. But nonetheless, I think for all of us, we, we have these moments in our lives where we're sometimes brought 
out of kind of how God's created us. And it kind of, it speaks into the personality and kind of the very wiring of really who we are. And for James and for John, that's very true in that nickname that Jesus gave them of being sons of thunder, very much catalytic for them with their passion and zeal and how they carry themselves. The last thing before we kind of jump into a story of John that I think is, is just an obvious thing to remember is John is referred to as the beloved disciple. Uh, really, Jesus's best friend was John. You can, you know, choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. And Jesus chose John to be his closest friend. Uh, and and within the disciples and within really Jesus's time here uh, as the Messiah, the Rabbi, the Savior, within those three and a half years, Jesus was the closest with this individual. And so John saw something up close and personal as Jesus's right-hand man and confidant, unlike anyone else. We fast forward to the Last Supper and, and John is there sitting right by Jesus. And, and in most of the stories, although Peter gets a bad rap for being a loud mouth and sometimes being, you know, a wild card in this, John is is right there in the conversation for bringing his own uh, agendas and issues to the surface. In fact, I want to reference a story here. If you look in uh, Luke chapter 9, there's this story where uh, the people of Samaria reject Jesus and his teachings. And if you know anything about kind of the historical tension between the Samaritans and the Jewish community, it was rampant. It was the people that they constantly avoided each other at all costs. They wanted nothing to do with each other. And so in this moment, John and James approach Jesus and basically look to him and say, hey, listen, Jesus, if you want, we will call down fire from heaven and we will let it consume them for their rejection of who you are. And I just, I think about these sons of thunder, like, hey, Jesus, don't worry, we got this. Let's call down some fire. We're going to smite these people with some smoke and lava and, you know, Old Testament version of like Sodom and Gomorrah, and that'll be it. And Jesus, you know, looks at them and just basically rebukes them in the process of like, you guys just don't get it. And it, it but it, it's very telling really of who John is. It, he's so often known as the beloved, uh, but really he is no different than Peter for having his own agenda, his own issues that he brings to the surface and having to kind of learn what it means to follow Jesus and then be transformed by who Jesus is. And so it's so easy for us to read through the narratives of the Gospels or even through these letters that we write from these individuals later and miss so much of the transformation that has taken place. If the story stops here, John really is a giant screw up. He just doesn't get it. And yet we don't view John that way. He's someone who is known as Jesus's best friend and the beloved disciple. And then we begin to see this heart of John really transformed. There's nothing shepherding and pastoral about wanting to call down fire from heaven and take out a people group. There is literally 0% of shepherding and care in that moment. And yet when we begin to read through these five chapters of this letter in 1 John, we see a man who is not only 
this big-hearted, loving individual, one who's inspiring people to shepherd and care for each other well while paralleling it with really who God is and the invitation that we have to be children in the family of God well. And I think that's so critical for us because there is this redirect that happens in John's life. And although we don't really know exactly when it took place, obviously this is many, many years later after the crucifixion and and John actually is the first recorded man uh, to show up to the tomb and there has to be this redirect moment in John's life where the son of thunder uh, with his brother always trying to be this overly zealous there's no dimmer switch it's all or nothing individual turns into this like wait a second I'm missing something here and slowly but surely he begins to be transformed and I think that transformation, that redirect is really so critical to understand because it's, it's imperative to John's understanding that if you follow Jesus, it's impossible for you to not be changed in how you see the world, the ways that you think, the ways that you treat people, and in the ways in which you begin to behave. Because that was his story. His story was one of literal transformation of even walking with Jesus as the beloved disciple. It took years for him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to really begin to understand what it means for him to be transformed. And so often for us as especially Christians, or maybe as someone who even for those, especially of us who've grown up in the church for a period of time, or been in the faith for a period of time, we have such a short fuse for those who are not yet believers or those who are early in their faith and still wrestling through things. And yet the very people who walked with Jesus literally on this earth, it took years for them to really begin to see that transformation play out in their life. And then when it did, they were the biggest ambassadors for helping people rediscover and redirect their lives around key areas. And so the letter that John is writing here to believers is really one that was designed to be this inspirational reminder, not some new profound theological concept, but one, although simple, incredibly profound, and it completely hinges on this idea that God is about changing your life. And it starts with understanding who God is. And so there's this message of really two, two prongs within this letter that God is light and God is love. And as you kind of see those two primary messages woven in and out of this letter, we see this shepherding, pastoral, caring heart on full display from John to fellow believers. And there are three primary things that we can kind of see that, that John invites us to kind of redirect in our lives. And they're completely his own personal testimonial of where he saw it transformed in his own life. The first one is in how he believes. And so there's this belief system that has begun to be changed in who he is around how God came to set up his kingdom through Jesus and understanding the kingdom and the cross and this idea of love and grace and understanding that it's not this immediate thing and, and, and all the different lessons that John learns it begins to change his beliefs. And so the first thing that happens when we 
become Christ followers is that we have to wrestle around this idea of what do we believe? It doesn't mean that we figure it all out, right? We just spent a whole series around the paradoxes, inviting safe space for people to doubt and believe and wrestle through things. There's an absolute place for that. And so by beliefs, all we're simply saying is, do you believe Jesus really is who he says he is? Do you believe in the transforming power of the cross? And then from there, what implications does that have in your life? And as you begin to ask more questions and wrestle through more things, you begin to understand that God is about changing your worldview and your beliefs, not around these correct theological statements, although we begin to form our theology as we follow Jesus more, but it's not about getting it, quote unquote, the right way. And so many people get so hung up on the black and white theology, they miss the journey that God wants to bring them through with their minds. And so that's why for us at Awaken, we spend so much time talking around these three uh, parts of who we are, uh, our head, our hearts, and our hands, that God desires to change the ways that we think, the ways that we feel, and the ways that we do things with our hands and feet and, and shift us all the way around. That There's not just one part transformation. And if we're getting a log jam somewhere, it's usually, it stops at our head. We're only thinking about it, but we're not allowing it to enter our heart because we're afraid of what actually it might feel like to wrestle with that. Or, or we have a lot of thoughts and feelings, but we actually never put it into to action. Or maybe we're doing things, but we've never really thought about why or how it makes us feel. And so these are all parts of what it means to follow Jesus fully, that when we completely follow Jesus, all three of those dimensions get changed. And so that first one is critical, that the ways that we believe begin to be shifted. And John invites us to think about the ways that we believe who God is, that God is light, that God is love in this letter. The second thing that John invites us to kind of shift and rethink is the ways in which we behave. And, and I hesitate to say this, but I think it's still such an important thing that needs to be stated that we often get these things wrong, right? Especially for those of us in Western American Christianity, we are so hung up on the social norms and the social behaviors that should come along with a Christ follower that we really miss the heart of what Jesus is trying to do and the transforming power of giving us the Holy Spirit. And John speaks to that emphatically throughout this letter, that your behaviors shift and change and redirect the more that you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and change who you are, the more that you begin to follow Jesus and really leave behind the ways of this world and learn to what it means to kind of walk in this holiness that we're called to. The word holy means to be set apart. But it doesn't mean to be isolated or just to simply live by this legalistic law set that's been given to us by pastors or leaders or, or authors. In reality, this idea of being holy is one that invites us absolutely to press into being a part of the world, but understanding that we live under a different set of beliefs, a different set of behaviors, and these are not meant to be rules in a restrictive way, but they're meant to be ways that we invite people to experience that spiritual freedom that only comes from knowing Jesus. But our behaviors absolutely should change. The ways in which we treat people, the ways that we treat each other, the ways in which we steward our finances well, the ways in which we learn to parent, the ways that we treat our spouses, the ways that we are kind and considerate and generous. All these things are a reflection of really that core part of our behaviors beginning to shift. 
But again, for John, his behaviors, it took years for him to see real life change taking place despite having face-to-face, up-close, personal, physical interactions with Jesus. And so don't be discouraged if that's where you are, that we're all in that place of a work in progress, whether it's around your beliefs or your behaviors. But I would encourage you to remember that stagnation is not at all something that we are, should be comfortable in, that we should learn to constantly be wrestling through these moving forward, even if it's in a safe way of kind of deconstructing and then rebuilding what it is that we're called to behave in ways that we're called to really live our lives, the, 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 uh, the ways in which we form habits and patterns in our lives. These are all critical parts of the transforming power that God invites us to. And as we read in the in 1 John, so much of that stems and revolves around this idea, uh, God is love. And that absolutely shifts our behaviors and how we treat people, which leads me to the third one, the belong, that our relationships change. The ways that we view the depth and the ways that which we view the people around us begin to shift and probably more than any other segment in 1 John, he speaks so many times. In fact, almost roughly 40 times, John mentions some form of love. And most of them are pertaining to either understanding who God is or how we treat each other, both within the faith and those not yet a part of the faith. And notice a clear distinction there that I said. It's not just for people that are believers and non-believers, for people that are believers and those who are not yet followers of Jesus. Because obviously our hope is that everyone would experience the good news, the hope of Jesus, that it would transform and change their life. And that's on us as the church to really lean into that through the ways that we believe, we have hope, we can see that the, the resurrecting power is a bridge to all of humanity. We see that in how we behave, how we love and care for people, how we model that well through any number of the pathways that we talk so often about within Awaken, and then also how we belong to community, that this is not never meant to be this isolated idea. And in 1 John, he elaborates in this idea of us being in the family of God and God being this perfect spiritual heavenly father that we're all invited into this family and it's a safe family but it's also one that is open to anyone and everyone and how amazing that story is that john begins to tell people so as you can tell this idea of belief uh, this idea of behavior and of belonging are really not that different from things that we see outlined in jesus's teachings and there's nothing crazy radically different here and i think the message that i would encourage you as you are sitting at home right now wrestling through you know how do we parent well in the midst of a of a pandemic how do i work at well how do i store my finances well how do i stay connected to people how do i find ways to live on mission and reach people around me all of these things are so easy for us just to treat it like it's just this storm or this this snow day that's going to simply pass us by but we're reminded in this letter that we have tangible ways of showing people God's love and helping to illuminate whether it's people's minds hearts or actions 
with really that God is light and everywhere that we bring the message of God, even if it's not orally with words, but through our actions, we are helping to usher in light into darkness. We're bringing light into moments where there seems to be despair. We're bringing love in moments where people feel defeated. And all of these things as carriers of the good news, if we just simply wait and hang back and wait for things to quote unquote go back to normal, we're going to miss our chance to really learn what it means to be transformed and to take the message that God is light and that God is love and bring that to the world around us. And so in this simple kind of message of kind of who John is and what the letter of 1 John is really about, I just want us to be encouraged we jump into this series that we're going to talk about what it means to have our lives illuminated and that God is this light that illuminates every corner of darkness. And it's this powerful, contagious, undeniable light. And it stems from the core that God is love, that the root of every message that we see of Jesus is this loving Savior, one that offers grace, mercy, and compassion one that is not quick to judge, one that is not quick to rebuke, but one that says, walk with me in this. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we are still a work in progress. We know that. But part of that journey is not only learning that about ourselves, but how we treat other people in the process. And I don't know about you, but patience and grace and mercy and compassion, they're wearing thin in the midst of being bunkered down in the midst of a pandemic. But as I read through 1 John, I'm inspired and reminded of the simple yet profound messages that we see paralleled in the life of Jesus and illustrated through the sermon that John gives us in this letter called 1 John. Here are three questions that I want you to take with you as we go. But before I give you these, I just want to encourage you in this moment. May you leave this simple video message with the hope that God is still at work in your life. May you look at moments in your life that are being redirected and view them as moments that you can bring light or love wherever you go. May you re-examine your story and remember that God's not done writing it. That in those moments where you feel like you've been defined and, and pushed into a corner, that the story is still being written. No matter how many years you've been in church how many times you've heard a sermon, how many times you've shared even the good news of who Jesus is, that there's still a life-changing transformation that's taking place in your life. And give yourself some grace. And may all of us in the midst of a pandemic be encouraged that we experience the light and it illuminates everything within us. And the moment we begin to lose that light or the love of who God is, we really need to go back to really this heart of really, God, what are you doing in my life? How have I seen you at work? And what are you asking me to do about it? So here are the three questions we're going to give you this week to discuss within your families and within your missional communities. The first one is, what are weaknesses in your life that are really honestly, oftentimes just misdirected strengths? Think about things in your life that if you were to look at some of the greatest weaknesses that you would say you have in your life, they're usually misdirected strengths. So, so what are some of those for you? 
What are those misdirected strengths that manifest themselves into weaknesses in your life? The second question for you is, what are areas in your life where you need to feel the light or the love of God right now? What are areas in your life that you need to experience and feel the light or the love of God right now in your life? That one may require you to be a little more honest than maybe what you're used to being. And then finally, the third question is pertaining to your beliefs, your behaviors, and the community and relationships you belong in. How can you continue to shift closer to reflecting that loving heart of our Father rather than legalism? So as you think about those three things that we see highlighted throughout this letter in general, our beliefs, our behaviors, and belonging, how can you continue to shift closer to the loving heart of our Father and less oh, and further away from, from legalism? Take some time to discuss these in your missional communities. Know that we love you. We are in this together. And we really truly believe at Awakened Church that God is doing something in our midst. We we don't know what the future will hold within this coronavirus, within our local community of Hampton Roads. But what I promise you is that if we continue to press in to how we love each other well and find ways to share the light and the love of Jesus out into the world, as creative or unique as it may be, God's going to show up and do some things that maybe we never expected. God has has not run away. He's not absent. He's here in our midst. And the the reminder in the story that God is love and that God is light is needed in this moment, maybe now more than ever. Be encouraged, be hopeful, and be carriers of that message this week. We'll see you next week.